You're listening to the Music Interval Theory Podcast with TC and Frank. Hello and welcome to another episode in the Music Interval Theory Podcast. Today I want to talk about how you can set up a very reliable process to repeating your musical successes. Because, let's be honest, in the end, that is what we are most interested in. We want to repeat our musical successes. Some time ago, I did a masterclass about this exact subject and today I want to bring that audio replay to you in this episode. So let's not waste any time and jump directly into the content. I want to start with this picture right here. Some of you know this. We have gathering, sketching, developing. The first thing that you will notice is that gathering and sketching are labeled in a different color that is separated from the developing stage. There is a reason for the color coding. And I want you to first focus on those various steps. I will talk you through what those steps are, how we can apply those steps, and then we will look at the color coding and how those things link back or interact with each other. So let me get to the gathering. That's really the first step that I do, which is mainly something like I decide what elements, what colors, what musical phrases like motifs and chords and sounds and instruments and scales I want to use. And I pick something that is aligned with the overall goal, which brings me to a point that you probably have heard a lot of composers say already. I want to quickly repeat that because I think it's really important. And they said, don't start any music without having a clear idea in mind what you want to do. This might be polarizing. I do understand. If you are a master of improvisation, you might not agree with that. And that is totally fine. Most of the guys are not masters of improvisation because this requires a ton of performance skills on your preferred instrument. Now, I can tell you with confidence, I'm a lousy guitar player. I'm a worse piano player, <laughs> but I find my way around on these instruments. But funnily enough, I can't perform what I write and I don't want to because that's a different discipline. What you've gathered, don't judge any of those materials yet. Don't decide if you like it or not because this will put you into edit mode already. This is not what we want to do. We want to get to the gathering and the sketching rather quickly. And the quickly is important because this will prevent you from running into this orange phase. The gathering is really the first step to prepare yourself with enough ammunition or materials that you want to work with in your later sketch. The problem, you might have seen this most likely, when you sketch something and you have a good main theme, maybe a chord progression underneath it, and you have this written out for eight bars, let's say, then you might have found a B section already. At some point, you run into a dead end and you think of new ideas and new materials that you can use. And this roadblock is something that happens because you don't have enough ammunition in the first place. I won't give you an exact number of gathered elements that you have to you know, collect because this is highly personal and highly different from one composer to the next. 
I know, for example, TC likes to gather a ton of stuff. And uh, you might have seen the Prokofiev masterclass that he did. It's on our YouTube channel. That's a three-hour masterclass in which he goes through the Prokofiev Piano Concerto number three and gathers a ton of material out of the original piano concerto that will become the basis of his original composition. And the step of sketching becomes pretty easy almost since he has so many things to choose from. So that was an extensive gathering. Now, if you know me, I'm more like a, a sparse uh, gathering guy. So I just like to pick a few ideas and then I just dwell on these ideas and twist them, sculpt them, reshape them and reuse them in different places. This is the gathering. And please keep in mind, you can't do it the wrong way. <laughs> you can just gather stuff that you don't end up using in your sketch. And if that happens, well, you have gathered this stuff already. Put it down into one of your Sibelius files, dump it down there, make it go into your collection of ideas for later use. I guarantee it won't do you any harm or damage if you gathered too much. So there is no downside of this step right here. Then the sketching. This is the moment where we organize those gathered elements on the canvas. And I decide what I want to hear first. That becomes my core idea. And usually that is a motif, since that is uh, the most generous way of giving value to your audience. I heard, I think it was Conrad Pope. He said, be generous and make sure that your audience takes something uh, with them after the movie or the show has ended. And if they leave the theater or cinema hall or whatever it is, whistling, humming your main theme, then you did an outstanding job. This is exactly what should happen ideally. I think that is a fantastic statement. That is why most often I start with those musical ideas that are singable, meaning you can recreate them with your own voice. You don't have to be a musician especially not a jazz musician, to follow those basic ideas. Now, the sketch quickly thing, we mentioned that already. Don't create and edit at the same time. That's not efficient. And I will get to this in a second. You most likely will find new ideas while sketching. This is the moment while you're seeing this little arrow pointing back. This is totally normal and part of the process you will organize some of those elements on the canvas and you get to listen to some of those things simultaneously. And this might give you a complete new source of inspiration that actually makes you go back and write down a new idea, maybe. That is totally fine. If that happens, do it. Now the sketch. This is really the summary of the story that you're aiming to tell to your audience. Meaning, keep it to the core elements in your sketch. I would really reduce it to what is necessary. Sometimes I'm, and this is not a joke, sometimes I just use what I call an energy map. So that is really something like a graph that I put in manually. And this indicates the amount of energy I want to hear or I want to follow at a specific time. For example, I have eight bars and I know after eight bars, I want to hit a climax. 
the easiest way to build to the climax would be a linear way from your starting point up to the climax. Most often, this will give you some problems with dialogue or sound design, and it's not possible, really. So if you now draw in this energy map, now out of a sudden, you realize the moments, the hit points, where you should stay out of those dialogue moments or sound design. Because if the editor does not understand dialogue, does not hear any of the sound effects, the music will go 100%. I saw this happen enough times <laughs> to not do this mistake anymore. So try to ride around those moments with the music. And it is most likely that your music is going to be heard later because nobody is going to throw it out. This is what the energy map is for. Now for scoring, an interesting technique in sketching is you can write things in reverse. Since in most cases, you know the hit points. You know exactly here I have a scene. It's, let's say, two minutes. And you know exactly at one minute, 10 seconds, there is a climax. Let's say there is the kiss. <laughs> and you want to score the kiss. You know exactly where to start with your main theme. The question is, how can you transition very fluently into that moment? This is the moment where I would really mark this hit point first make sure it lands on a downbeat, and then I figure out the, the bars in reverse to get a fluent way into this climax. And it will sound more musical and more fluent and natural, and that is a time saver, which is just outstanding. Don't try to solve the puzzle linearly, writing from left to right <laughs> all the time. If it is easier to approach it in reverse, that is something that took me years to understand. I know it's ridiculous, but it's the truth. Save your sketches because you can reuse them. And please don't tell Disney, <laughs> but I scored a few commercials for them. And honestly, I did reuse the same sketch for three commercials. And the only thing I did differently was, well, I threw out, let's say, four bars in the middle and just connected the two ends of the sketch. And this became my new sketch, literally. And it worked. That is the sketching phase. The sketching is one of my favorite parts of the process because these two phases, the gathering and the sketching, they are really based on your emotional decision-making. That's also a little hint already as to what we will discover with the color coding. Now, let me quickly cover the developing here. That is the moment where we flesh out the ideas and the energy map, whatever you have, maybe even text instruction for yourself, like add strings here or reduce the density, things like that, little orchestration notes for yourself. And especially in terms of functions, this is really your playground right now to combine and add more functions. Sidelines, motors, pedal tones or pedal structures, decoration, all of these great things. We will actually discover some of those in the examples as well. But this is the moment where you can really make your idea shine around your core elements. The development stage is not meant to change your core elements completely. If you want to adjust things, that's totally fine. Of course, it's a living creature still, and you are not a slave to the sketch, which means if you want to change something that you sketched out, do it. It's your name on the page. You are the author. You can change whatever you want. 
The sketch is only your North Star that makes sure that you don't lose track of the overall story. But if you find a better way to tell the story, by all means, do it, of course. This step, contrary to the previous two ones, requires skills. Composition skills, orchestration skills, arranging skills, which means usually that's the stage where those music creators who just wing it, they will struggle the most. That is totally normal. That is not a surprise because now we talk about skills that everybody can learn. And if you haven't learned them, it's not your fault. It's not your mistake. It's just about time to get those skills, to speed up the process. Now, one of the great things that works wonders, develop the sections strategically. Look at the woodwinds. Develop the woodwinds in a way that they make sense on their own. Then look at the brass. Develop the brass section on its own so that it makes sense if you play it in solo mode. The same goes for the strings. Also, the horizontal sections. Let's say you have four bars of a woodwind section. It might be smart to, well, maybe even extend this section a little bit into the previous bar, again, writing stuff in reverse, and also to the following bar to create a more fluent entry and exit point for this section. I'm not talking about songs right now because that is actually different. Another um, thing that is obviously something you would welcome in songwriting, a clear structure as to verse and chorus. But in scoring, usually that's not the case. So you want to smear your entry and exit points a little bit into the score and massage them musically so that they don't attract too much attention when they enter. Unless you want it that way, of course, then please do it. Then complete your parts and sections. Everybody who went through the orchestration concepts course inside the academy knows what that means. Please don't start with three voices in your brass section. Then for no reason, switch to four voices, then to two voices. Everybody will be confused in the audience. You will lose them in your musical storytelling. Make your parts logical. Then again, the sketch is your roadmap, not the cage. If you want to change it, change it. And last thing, very important, put your name on the page. Let me get back to the color coding here real quick. That is why I'm saying the three steps continued. Now here we are seeing a bit more text. And the text now refers to the colors. The blue section down there is mostly based on your emotional decision making. That is why you should think about a process in the first place. I'm not telling you you have to follow these three steps. I just hope that it will resonate with you. It is more efficient to stay a little bit longer on the emotional side with your decisions, since that's the stuff that actually happens quickly. You either like it or you don't. It's really binary. That is your gut feeling. That is the stuff that resonates with you for whatever reason. You don't have to explain. That's emotional. This all is coming from the limbic system. And the reason to do these things here, the gathering and the sketching quickly, this prevents you from stumbling into the orange area, which is controlled by the neocortex. The neocortex is responsible for logic, for everything like speech and evaluating ideas and revising ideas and 
editing your ideas. So if you wrote something like four bars in your sketch and you step into the development stage without even knowing and you develop your ideas, you bring in more sidelines and the chords and everything and the full orchestra is playing for four bars and it sounds great and you're really happy with that. In that state, look at bar number five, which is completely empty, staring at you. And you will feel anxiety, I believe. That is at least talking about myself. A little bit of fear to tackle the next bar. You created just a huge monster, an obstacle that you have to get around. And that is really hard to overcome. That is why so many composers have fantastic 16-bar pieces with no beginning, no introduction, no end, <laughs> no longer development in there. Yes, because this is the result of not having a process. It is not efficient to switch from emotional decision-making to your logical decision-making and back. So instead, I would stay on the emotional side for as long as possible and then jump to the rational side and stay there for as long as possible. If you happen to go back, of course, please do it. Again, it's not your cage. This is just the explanation of why things sometimes come easier to you and sometimes they don't. Let me give you a quick math problem. <laughs> Please give me those results right here, like 27 minus 11. What is that? Then uh, 35 divided by 5. And then 118 plus 13. And the reason why I'm asking you to do this is actually not because I want to test your math solving capacity. <laughs> I just want to ask you next, during those calculations, what did you feel? And chances are that you didn't feel anything because it was this guy who was giving the lead and occupying your attention. And when this happens, you are not feeling anything and vice versa. And that is an interesting thing to me because now that you understand and know okay, actually I can speed up whatever my process is by simply separating my emotional decision-making from the logical one. Now, this already means a lot. And if that is the only thing that you take with you from this session, then I'm happy <laughs> because this took me years to figure out. So that being said, that is the three-step process that we follow inside the academy that we offer as the best practice that we've come across so far. So let's look at some examples now. And this is based on one plus one. For those who don't know what that means, the numbers just represent chromatic steps, right? So you start in any tone, you go one chromatic step up. From there, you go another chromatic step up. So if you started from the middle C right here, a one plus one can turn into a sequence, which can be C, C sharp, D then we can obviously change the order of those notes. We can play these three tones vertically, meaning simultaneously in various positions. So please don't confuse these ideas right here with stuff that you want to send to your client, please don't do it. <laughs> That's the gathering stage. 
<laughs> this is nothing you want to send out to your client. Okay. That is still just the elements that we might want to use later. Let's see. We can also use this thing as a motor. Recognize this guy here. That's nothing else than the A flat written and harmonically. Then we have G right here. We have a B flat and we have the A, G flat, the A again. So a lot of tones that create a lot of clusters. And this sounds something like this. Yeah, so here another little thing. I'm honest with you, the C is not part of the one plus one. <laughs> that is why it's marked in red. But you can extend your gathered material. If it comes to you naturally, if you like the sound of that, great. This type of gathering doesn't take you longer than five minutes in total. And that is exactly what I'm using in the sketch. I want to play you not the piano sketch right now, but I will show you the piano sketch and we will listen to the development and you can see how close the development is to the sketch. You will hear stuff around it. Some of the note durations might have changed or a line that went uh, in an ascending way now is descending, stuff like that. These are adjustments that I did later just on the fly. But nevertheless, I want to show you the end result, which is this guy. So the ending here was a bit longer, like two bars or something. But it's interesting how close the development is to the sketch, right? Now, you might like the style of music or not, but this would be a scoring approach using one plus one as your gathered material. And as you can tell, almost or literally everything in here came from our gathered material. We have the motor idea one and two. This was one. This was two. We have those clusters that happen in the beginning and around the end. We have all of these lines in here, in the base, in the middle register. It's pretty fascinating how far you can go with a one plus one. 
because of a process. If you ask me, can you write something like that without knowing how to get there? It's a different story. That is really hard. If you know what the elements originally have been in the gathering and what the sketch looks like, this is not a complicated sketch. Some of you guys from the Meta Academy know the piece, and I want to quickly play through the various sections without actually going into the concepts of the 11th chords four part. That is the subject of the lesson. But I want to show you what is going on since we are talking about the three steps. Now, here is the gathering. Now, let's develop those steps. Most likely, that's the point already where most composers say, well, it sounds too dissonant, I can't use it, I don't like it. One of the most common objections from the clients that I've worked with was, it sounds too mainstream. Everybody uses the same chord progressions, different melodies, obviously, but still, it all sounds too close to each other. This kind of approach works wonders to inject just a healthy dose of a unique sound, which is based on dissonance for sure, but still that's the spice that you can put into your musical meal. And I want to continue here actually with some more steps for the gathering before we get to the sketch. So these become building blocks and those building blocks, well, I thought let's develop them a little bit further so that we can use them in the sketch. This was here my first idea. Let's take the first bar. Let's repeat it four times. <laughs> and I can tell you why I did it, because this gave me enough opportunity to bring in little variations, but the original material was completely the same. And I will play you this. Here we go. Pretty boring, I know. Sounds better already, but still a little bit too dense for my taste. Guess what we can do? We can just use two times the outside interval, two times the inside interval, and then we alternate between the outsides and the insides. It sounds like this. Oh, interesting type of writing, I know. <laughs> but you know exactly how I got there. This is all technique, 100% technique. And you make these decisions quickly. Of course, that's the whole point. Now here we have a little bit more material for an ending, for an introduction. I actually want to skip those things, but you are seeing a lot of explanation on the page, which is the part of the composition course. Um, but I don't want to go into that segment for now. What I will do, though, is let me play you the development.
Sounds different. I know. But guess what? That's going to be the reason why you get the job and not the other guy. I'm just telling you. I quickly also want to show you something that Mark did. Mark Berkowitz. I mentioned his name a few times. He's part of the mom team and a fantastic composer and orchestrator. Now, Mark based the piece for Lesson 41, which is about polytonality, mainly on the octatonic scale. I can't resist. Quick lesson. <laughs> if you don't know the octatonic scale, here are the facts. It has four different root tones. All of those root tones are organized in a distance of three chromatic steps, starting from whatever you want to use, then three up, another three up, another three up. If you went another three up, it gets you back to the starting point. On top, you also have a pattern which alternates between the intervals one and two, one and two, one and two, one and two. The whole octatonic scale is a dominant scale and it embraces major and minor triads, which makes it pretty versatile in composition. So we can build major triads. This guy, that guy, this guy that guy. They are all using scale tones from above. Now we can build minor triads. Again, all of them are scale tones. And we can use dominant structures because guess what? Pick any of those root tones and just use the dominant seventh to all of those root tones. To C, it would be a B flat. Correct. To an E flat, it would be D flat, correct. To an F sharp, it would be E. And to an A, it would be G. So if you use the four root tones and their respective scale tone minus seven, you just created the whole octatonic scale. Congratulations. <laughs> and those are the dominant seventh structures. This is the gathering. This is the material that Mark used in his composition. And this is a sketch coming from a master composer. As you can tell, a lot of text notation in here, some things that he wrote down for himself, because obviously that was an assignment just for himself. And he labels the 13th in there. Members know what that means. Substitute tones right here little bit of text up there. I would say the organization in here is really on a very high level, but I don't want to miss at least to show you a quick portion of the sketch. We will listen to the development though. So you're seeing a lot of triads in here, a lot of triads, a lot of dominant seventh structures, and that is all coming from this page of gathering. Now, let me show you what comes out of this. And that's a very dynamic piece that Mark wrote. I want to quickly show you what the end result sounds like, because that's 
to me at least, another piece that would raise the question, how the hell do you write something like that? <laughs> Here we go. That is what I would call a composition. <laughs> Great work, Mark. I think this is a marvelous example for how to follow a process and how to get to a fantastic result and still be able to repeat the successes. Because I could ask Mark, please write me 10 more of these pieces, all of them being a little bit different. Of course, he can do it. I have total faith and total confidence that he can do it because he follows a process. I consider Mark a close friend at this point, and I know what he's doing since we have worked on many projects together already. Now, that brings me back to our little uh, PDF here. So please remember, I think it's just a very beneficial approach. Think about these three steps and how you can maybe implement them into your own existing workflow if you have something if you don't have anything yet i would start right here and then modify this make it your own so that you can take the most value out of all this information here 
If you know anybody in your circle who would also benefit from this content, please do me a favor and point him to the podcast. He will appreciate it, I guarantee. Many, many thanks and we will catch up in one of the next episodes. Bye. This podcast is powered by the Music Interval Theory Academy, your resource for getting clarity and confidence in music composition and orchestration. See you inside at musicintervaltheory.academy.com.